This is Running the Race with Pastor Eddie Pinero of Calvary Chapel of Milford in Milford, Pennsylvania. We are to be like Christ. Just as Jesus ministered without partiality, he showed love and he showed compassion to everyone he met during his earthly ministry. Jesus did not show partiality when he ministered to the Gentiles, to the Samaritans. Jesus did not show partiality when he ministered to tax collectors, prostitutes, robbers, even to Pharisees. So too, we are to show partiality to no one. Being biased against certain people is a difficult thing because people have social status and our world ranks them based on how much money they make, how nice their possessions are, or their position in their job. In today's message, Pastor Eddie will point out that all people are equal. Every single one of us are children of the Most High God. When we treat everyone accepting that fact, we treat people with kindness Jesus treats us with. Well, let's join Pastor Eddie in the book of James chapter 2. As he begins his message, the sin of partiality. Let us now turn to the book of James, the book of James, chapter 2. We want you to know that we study God's Word directly from the Word of God. And as we study it, we want to read it together verse by verse. Let us now just wait on the Holy Spirit and uh, just read the Word of God. And let's turn to James chapter 2. James chapter 2. Let us go before the Lord in prayer. Lord, we thank you for your loving grace. We thank you for your mercy. We thank you, oh Lord, for your word. We thank you for your son, Jesus Christ's salvation. And Lord, uh, now as we partake of the word, is the bread that we, are, we live off, is the bread that never perishes, it's the word of God. Lord, I pray that we empty ourselves, Lord, that we hear what your word has to say for us this morning. Lord, we want you to be our teacher. We want the Holy Spirit who inspired James to write this letter, the same Holy Spirit who inspired James to write this letter to be our teacher this morning. And so Lord, we ask that you would open up our hearts Open up our minds, open up our eyes to see, our minds to receive, Lord, and Lord, our hearts ready to receive what you have to say, Lord. So, Lord, be with us. We ask this in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, we already completed chapter one of the book of James. We looked at chapter one, verse one, at the introduction of James. We looked at the who, what, when, where, and why. Then we looked at verses two through 11. Two through 11, we looked at the trials we go through. The trials, we all go through trials, but... James tells us to rejoice in trials because that's where we grow. That's where we endure. Then something else that we go through is temptation. Every single one of us. Jesus was tempted but was without sin. We all go through temptation, right? And so that's what we looked at in verses 12 to 20. Verses 12 to 20, we looked at temptation. Then in our last study, we looked at verses 21 to 27 and where the what James tells us to be doers of the word. Be doers of the word. This is an area that we 
lack as Christians. We hear the word, we read the word, we study the word, we have the word framed on our walls, it's on our refrigerators, and our devotion. However, the question is, are we doing what we're studying? Are we doing the word? Are we following the word? James says, if we are not following the word, we're not doers of the word, we deceive ourselves. And so we don't want to deceive ourselves. Let us be doers of the word. Now that brings us to chapter 2, James chapter 2. We're going to look at verses 1 through 13. And James, inspired by the Holy Spirit, writes to us about the sin of partiality. The sin of partiality. Well, let us read this passage together, and then we'll look at it individually, verse by verse. James chapter 2, verse 1. James writes this, My brethren, do not hold the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory, with partiality. For if there should come into your assembly a man with gold rings in fine apparel, and there should also come a poor man in filthy clothes, and you pay attention to the one wearing the fine clothes, and say to him, you sit here in a good place, and say to the poor man, you stand there and sit here in my footstool. Have you not shown partiality among yourselves and become judged with evil thoughts? Listen, my beloved brethren, God has, not, has God not chosen the poor of this world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom which he promised to those who love him. But you have dishonored the poor man. Do not the rich oppress you and drag you into the courts? Do they not blaspheme the noble name by which you are called? If you really fulfill the royal law according to the scripture, you shall love your neighbor as yourself, you do well. But if you show partiality, you commit sin and are convicted by the law of transgressors. For whoever shall keep the whole law and yet stumble in one point, he is guilty of all. For he who said, do not commit adultery, also said, do not murder. Now, if you do not commit adultery, but you do murder, you have become a transgressor of the law. So speak, and so do as those who will be judged by the law of liberty. For judgment is without mercy to the one who has shown no mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. Now, before we begin our verse-by-verse -verse study, I need to give you a little backdrop of the early church at the time James wrote this letter around, if you recall, A.D. 45, A.D. 50. Now, you may say, well, we already had an introduction, right? Chapter 1, verse 1. That's true. But in the passage before us, I need to give you a little background because this topic is different from that of the introduction of the letter. But in the passage before, this would help us to smoothly understand why James write this letter that which is applicable for us today. Just as we see today, there are class distinctions. Class distinction meaning, I'm referring to the rich class, the middle class, and the poor class. So too was in the day of the time when James wrote this letter. There are class distinctions. They've been around actually since after the flood. First, Babylon was the first a little town built after the day of uh, after the flood, and we see those hierarchy. We see those that are wealthy, and we see those that are poor, and that's history. We know that. However, at the time when James wrote this letter, there was no middle class. There was no class between the rich and the poor. It was either extremely rich or extremely poor, and that is due because half of the population were slaves. A rich man can have up to 500 slaves at one time. An emperor could have over 20,000 slaves at his disposal. 
And so, you know, quite often, now when we think about slave, we always think about slave, we think that they're unskilled, dirty, uneducated uh, people, they have raggedy clothes, but that wasn't the case back then, especially during the time of James. Uh, the slaves in those days were skilled, also skilled, educated slaves. They were teachers, accountants, and physicians. If you recall, who's the author of the book of Luke? Luke, right? Luke was a physician. If you see in verse 3 of chapter 1, he is writing to his master, Theophilus. He actually addresses him, most excellent Theophilus, in verse 3 of chapter 1. And this is the reason why when the Apostle Paul and all the other New Testament writers, they identify themselves as slaves or bond slave or bond servant. Because the slaves that we think of today or maybe 100, 200 years ago are far different how the slave were during the time of Rome or during the time of when James wrote this letter. But, so those are the class distinctions. But with the class distinctions come with it the social problems, right? The rich are mistreating, are looking down at the poor, vice versa, you know, the, the poor will hate the rich or covet what the rich has. And quite often we always think, oh, the rich are the bad people. Well, no, they're golly people who are rich because the difference is the money doesn't have them, they have the money. You get it? Now, you have people who are poor. We think, oh, the poor is a whole, always holy. No, the poor are the one that covet what the rich has. It's a sin nonetheless. But here, James is not going to address that. What he's going to address is the issue of partiality. The sad thing has made its way into the church. And the sad, this, it, what makes it even more sad is that it's in the church today. It's also not even, only in the church. It's within people personally. Okay, and that's what James is going to address because there is no place for partiality, whether it's personal or whether it's in the house of God. And so we're going to look at what James has to say in chapter 2, verses 1 to 13. For those you students who are taking notes, in verses 1 through 7, verses 1 through 7, partiality is a sin against God. Partiality is a sin against God. And that's in verses 1 through 7. In verses 8 through 11, Partiality is a sin against the law. Partiality is a sin against the law. That's in verses 8 through 11. And in verses 12 and 13, not partiality, but mercy. Not partiality, but mercy. That's in verses 12 and 13. Well, we read the text. Let's now study it verse by verse. Let's look what James has to say. James chapter 2, verse 1, he writes this. My brethren, do not hold the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory, with partiality. Right off the bat, we know it's wrong. Do not hold the faith that we have in Jesus Christ with partiality. Now, the word partiality is the Greek word. It's prospoleasia, right? And it means respect of persons. That's what it means. Now, it's mentioned three times in the passage before us. It's mentioned here in verse 1, in verse 4, and in verse 9. Now, the words kind of change, but it means the same thing, depending on the context it's being used. Again, this is Greek. This is not English. If you have the King James Version or the authorized King James, um, it is respect of person. It doesn't have the word partiality there. But nonetheless, the idea is that we, uh, we tend to show favoritism over certain people over others. Now, James, we can see here right off the very first verse, chapter 2, James is addressing Christians. He's not writing to unbelievers. It's expected for those who don't know Christ. He is writing to Christians. He writes, my brethren. 
speaking of brothers and sisters in Christ, he said, do not hold to the faith you have in Christ while showing favoritism to some people over others. Here it is, faith and favoritism, faith, partiality, or whichever way you want to word it, faith or respect of person are completely contradictory to the faith of the believer in Jesus Christ. It's contradictory. We are to be Christ-like. We are to be like Christ. Just as Jesus ministered without partiality, he showed love and he showed compassion to everyone he met during his earthly ministry. Jesus did not show partiality when he ministered to the Gentiles, to the Samaritans. Jesus did not show partiality when he ministered to tax collectors, prostitutes, robbers, even to Pharisees. So too, we are to show partiality to no one. Now, Paul tells us, he writes to the church of Rome, he tells us this in Romans, Romans chapter 2, verse 11. He said, for there is no partiality with God. No partiality with God. God doesn't show favoritism. Now, people would say, well, why are the Jews were chosen? The Jews were chosen for the purpose of bringing the salvation. Jesus Christ, the Messiah, had to come through someone. He could have came through the Italians. He could have came through to the, to the, through the Asians. Okay? I wish he came through the Puerto Ricans. <laughs> Kosher rice and beans. I don't know if that's such a thing. <laughs> it doesn't matter. It really doesn't matter. But God came and he chose the Jews. And even with the Jews, he said, I didn't choose you because you were greater. I chose you because I loved you. And that's a great answer. I love you. And so salvation is of the Jews. So God shows partially to no one, not even to a group of people. Now, you remember when Peter, after the church was birthed, after the church uh, poured on the day of Pentecost, they spoke in tongues. They spoke in different languages. The Lord said to Peter that there is a man, a centurion soldier, a Gentile, who is who's going to need to hear the gospel. And, and, and Peter was saying, no way, Lord. You know, I don't hang out with Gentiles. You know what? They're going to serve me. They're going to serve me eggs and bacon, cheeseburgers and bacon. That's not kosher. The Lord said, go. And what happened when he shared the gospel of Jesus Christ? They were all Gentiles in that room. It said that the Holy Spirit came upon them and they spoke in different tongues. Acts chapter 10, verse 34, this is what Peter said after he experienced this. He says, in truth, I perceive that God shows no partiality. No partiality. And so because partiality makes his way into the church, here now James gives an illustration of this ungodly practice that should not be in a church, should never have been in a church. So let's look at verse 2. He says, for if there should come into your, here's the word assembly. I want to park it for just a second. Assembly. This word translated in the Greek is synagogue. So here James is still using Hebrew terms. So if someone should come in the synagogue, okay, now, later on, when we get to chapter 5, he'll, he'll start using the word church, but it's, it's a synagogue, so there's still a Jewish background here. It's always going to be a Jewish background. Verse 2, for if there should come into your assembly a man with gold rings in fine apparel, there should also come in a, a poor man in filthy clothes. Verse 3, and you pay attention to the one wearing the fine clothes and say to him, you sit here in a good place. And say to the poor man, you stand over there, sit here in my footstool. That is partiality. 
Now, the, the man with rings is plural, it's there for a reason, because the more wealthy a man was, the more rings he had, and sometimes they will wear rings in all their fingers, sometimes they wear multiple rings in their fingers, and the more rings they, the more rings they, they, they wore on their fingers, that means the less they did any kind of work. But he's just letting you know that this is a wealthy man, and this is partiality. You know, there was a story, it said shortly after the close of the Civil War, a former slave entered a fashionable church in Richmond. It was Sunday morning at the beginning of a communion service. When the time came, the former slave walked down the aisle and knelt at the altar. A rustle of shock and anger swept through the congregation. Then a distinguished layman immediately stood up, stepped forward to the altar, and knelt beside this Christian brother. Captured by his spirit, the congregation followed and went to the altar. The layman who set the example was Robert E. Lee. We need to set the example. It doesn't matter, rich or poor, slave or free. It doesn't matter. Paul says neither Jew nor Gentile. And we have a tendency to separate ourselves from other people because they're not like us. I understand there's an attraction with people of your kind, but sometimes we have that and it's sad. But it should not be in the church. But sadly, we see this partiality is making its way into, is still in the church today. I remember while, while in Costa Rica, uh, traveling through the villages and town, we went to pass this uh, city called San Jose, which is the main city port there. And the pastor there that was driving us around, he said, you see that church right there? That church right there, they have the rows of seat priced. The closer you want to get to the altar at the stage, the more the seat costs you. And that's happening today. Can I tell you, I, you know, I don't think they learned that. I think they learned that, I have to say, they learned that from America. There's a documentary called The, Gospel, uh, the American Gospel, and they have one in part two, I think it's good to read. These, these countries from around the world, they want a gospel like America because it's a prosperity gospel, it's a false gospel. And that's where they get it. And, and, and it's been filtering around. One thing we know for sure here in the house of God, because this is the Lord, uh, we don't put you know, too much into the building and the chairs and the furnitures. But one thing for sure, when we gather together, we are the house of God. This is the church. You are the church. When you're out of here, when this place is empty, it's not the church. It's just a building. It's just a shell. But one thing, when the people come in the midst of us, when they come into us and they come, they come to fellowship with us, whether they're believers or whether they're sinners looking for answers, whether they're rich or whether they're poor, the only one that gets the honor and the full attention and, and, and the, the center of attention is Jesus Christ. It doesn't matter who comes through that door. Everybody's treated the same. We don't show partiality to anyone. You know, I really don't care who comes in. Oh, this person, okay, that's great. He's going to sit down like all of us. <laughs> I've been to churches where they say, oh, you know, we got a good guest. Let's, let's, you know, let's, you, you know, have them sit in the front. No, let them find a seat like everybody else. <laughs> that wasn't my church, by the way. And this is why the only arrangement we have here is the arrangement for, you know, for, as far as seating is for, you know, parents with children, the back row. Should a child cry, the child becomes restless, you know, they could, well, so there won't be a distraction. They'll take the child out to the fellowship hall, to the hall. But we don't have any sp special seating arrangements. You don't have to reserve your seat. We don't have to price the front row. We don't have golden fancy chairs on the podium, on the pulpit. 
I've been in churches like that where they're sitting up there and they, everybody's standing in worship. They're just sitting down, crossing their legs, looking at you. Oh, yeah, you're worshiping. That's great. So who do you think you are? <laughs> you know, it's just not humble. It's just not humble. And that is why we don't have a dress code. Well, dress modestly, that is. We don't have a dress code. You want to come in sneakers and ties? By all means, just come as you are. You want to come in a suit and tie? By all means. We don't dress to impress. We dress to worship God. You know, there, I've been through legalism when that's where it was. You had to dress a certain way. I was raised that way. But we don't have a dress code. That's why we don't pass the plate. Another reason. It's between you and the Lord. We have a box in the back. We have a box in the fellowship hall. It's between you and the Lord. Because you had the tendency, and I've seen it. I've done it myself when I was young. You know, if it was a $50 bill, a $100 bill, smack. Open it up. Lay it flat right on the top. Usher's going, whoa, thank you. He wasn't in the spirit. It's just the weight of the bill. Or you write a check. Everybody hears that, right? Or you're going to heaven. You gave a, you gave, I see that. You know, if it, I gave $1 bills because I, I didn't want to not pass the plate and not give anything. So if it's a $1 bill, I triple, quadruple, fold it so they won't see. It's just green. You know, and we have a tendency to do that, you know. Jesus said, don't let the right hand know what the left hand is doing. Give, you give in secret. God would be honored and glorified. And so we don't pass it. I don't know $50, brother. I don't know $500, brother. I don't want to know. That's between you and the Lord because I am not, you know, I'm, I'm made of feet of clay just like you. I don't want to look at somebody, oh, wow, yeah, you know, this person, huh, I'm going to, I'm going to ordain him. Oh, I'm going to. I'm going to have John step down and have him assistant pastor. No, I can't do that. He's given a lot. But, you know, the point is, you see, that that's what happens. Some churches tend to make deacons and people because of what they give. And so we need to be humble. And that's why when we come in, we come in, come as you are. We come in to worship the Lord. It doesn't matter whether you're rich or poor, whether you're dressed fancy or not. Dress comfortable. Just have the heart of worship. You know, and we don't worry about... You know, the finances between you and the Lord. I said, God loves a cheerful giver. If we feel that you, you, never, ever, never, ever, in almost 11 years, August, we make 11 years here, never, ever, if we came up here and said, we are hurting financially, we're doing a fundraiser, can you pray and consider about your, we never, ever did that. Never. You find it, you, you, you let me know. But I, I know I'm getting old, but I know for sure, I, I could remember, I did not say that because I would not. Never, ever, ever have you heard you got an email from us saying, hey, our finances are low. We need, could you prayerfully consider making a donation, a larger donation? Never, ever. Why? Because when we as a church, the leaders, and everybody here as a church, when we know there is, you know, something that we need, who do we go to? The Lord. Yes. I go to the Lord. Why would I go to you? I'll go to the Lord. Aren't you glad you decided to join us today on Running the Race? We've learned some great truths about authentic and passionate confidence in God that transcends all the ugly sin in this world and our own selves. We pray that God's Word has touched your heart today and motivated you to continue in the good fight of faith. Running the Race is a radio ministry out of Calvary Chapel of Milford. If you're in the New York, New Jersey, or Pennsylvania area, 
Jessica has an invitation for you. We'd love to have you come join us at Calvary Chapel of Milford. We're conveniently located off Interstate 84 and Route 6. For service times and all the information you need, visit runningtheraceradio.com and click on the Back to Homepage button. While you're there, you can listen to this teaching again or explore more messages from Pastor Eddie. Again, that website is runningtheraceradio.com. Thanks, Jessica. Head over to runningtheraceradio.com to learn more about the church and hear more messages. Would you prayerfully consider donating to this ministry with your finances? Your giving of any size is appreciated more than we can say. If you're able and the Lord is leading you, you'll find a Give tab on our homepage, runningtheraceradio.com. As we're working hard to put the message of Jesus into as many ears as we can, we acknowledge that we can't do it alone. So please pray for open hearts to receive Jesus. Pastor Eddie has more to share with you, so make sure to come back again for more here on Running the Race.